John! Hi! Hello! That's Oscar talking. Hi. Hey, John. I'm so sorry that I was late. Oh, not a problem. I'm usually the one who's late. I was so deeply, deeply engrossed in graduate student fiction that I... uh, that I lost track of time. I thought it was about an hour ago. That's a good sign. Yeah, you must have found found something worth reading. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, lots of dependent clauses, lots and lots of them. Usually, dependent clauses that are stuffed inside other dependent clauses. Mm-hmm. That's that's what my, I'm. Uh, that's what I'm doing this morning. Nerd. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it snowed here in Seattle. You did the entire city shut down in a panic? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it started snowing about nine o'clock Saturday night. Now it's eight o'clock Sunday morning. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I assume that people are canceling their brunch plans on the <laughs> east side. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I'm looking out the window, and there there goes there's Jill and my son walking down the sidewalk. And what are they up to? Uh, I thought they were going somewhere else, but I guess they're going over there. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Now he's walking. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the snow is going to melt very soon. It was. It should have melted by sunrise, but there was more of it. Yeah. But it's 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 perhaps forty degrees. So it's it's uh, it's not long for for our our hills and slopes. We have had uh, the we've had the longest um, cold snap we've had in living memory and uh, that is my my living my memory of living in Ithaca um yeah uh, I don't I don't I don't actually mind winter very much but um one of the things I like about where we live is you usually get some breaks you know it goes up you get some unseasonably right. warm weather every three weeks um but it's been a while now strawberry spring there you go mm-hmm. there's everyone's everyone's got everyone's got their their special name for this special non-season season Indian <laughs> summer like uh, you know, strawberry spring, that's a term. That's a thing. Ukrainian fall. Uh decorate eggs. Uh, maple winter. Yeah. Um, uh, potato famine. <laughs> maple winter is when it goes down to zero in the middle of summer, and all the yeah. all the maple trees die. And then you can yeah. you get a little get a little extra uh, syrup out of them. The next it's a day. special. It's a special time. A lot of a lot of memories. <laughs> then the memories of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I'm trying to describe in uh, in class, um, a uh, you, you know you know when a short story or a novel does this thing, this it's I think I think it's called the habitual mood. It's when it's when a, a narrative says, "In those days, we used to go sledding, and Grandpa would." would tattoo uh you know swastikas <laughs> on our foreheads with a soldering iron uh, and grandpa. in those days mother would but i always um whenever i point out to people that they're spending too much time in the habitual mood and they're there's they're maybe it's time to get into scene and actually yeah. make us feel like we're looking at something right now um uh i i always i always did you coin that, that for that term or is that a is that a an old Chestnut of a term, habitual mood. I'm going to tell you in, in a moment, but um, the, the phrase that oh. I always come up with is "Grandma would make us iced tea." 
is yeah. is the is is like the act habitual mood sentence for me. And here's how I found that um, a graduate student, what, right when I was starting out at Cornell, a graduate student came into my office and just said, "I have a question for you. What is that called when?" The writer's sort of talking about things that used to happen all the time, not like a specific scene, but the sort of thing that would happen a lot. And they would, and and we just sat there for half an hour googling this, trying to find uh-huh. out. Uh-huh. And uh, and what we found, I don't remember where, was the the habitual. And I've added mood because it's not a tense, you know. I think it's a mood. Not technically, yeah. You know, the habitual yeah. mood, yeah. It's usually activated by the word grandma. <laughs> That's right. That's the passphrase that allows you to yeah. enter the habitual mood. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I call it just kind of the um, kind of the sentimental conditional. Because usually uh, – Oh, uh, wood, that's good. That's right? good. You know, grandma would, grandpa would, Norman Rockwell would, yeah. <laughs> Charles Manson would. Grandma uh, back Charles- on the ranch, Charlie would back on the stir ranch. Up a pot of mulligatawny <laughs> stew and grandma. That's what we called Charles Manson. We called him Grandma because uh, <laughs> you know he was uh, he was uh, sweet to us and he looked good in gingham with our dog Rockwell. Dog Rockwell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm here, and it our- is to be stamped out. It, that is a, a mood. That is a a writer's mood to be stamped out I, by the secret police or any method required. I have found that I cannot, I can't use it in a non-ironic mode anymore. No. Oh. Oh. I, I think it's, I think it's like a, it represents an authorial fear of being definitive in any way. It's a, it's a fear of commitment, fear of commitment, fear of commitment choices. Yeah. Fear of making choices. Fear of making choices, fear of commitment. And I think the dependent clause thing is like that too. It's like you um, you don't – the more directly you say something, the more you have to own it. But when you bury something in a nested – you know, when you're seven prepositional phrases deep into a sentence and you put the thing that you're afraid to say – you can sort of it's you know it's it's a the reader's def, de, attention is deflected. The importance of what you're saying is is de-emphasized. Yeah, yeah. Give me an example. <sighs> or okay, uh, how about it's uh, so defeated because you don't want to you don't want to no. commit the. <laughs> how about this? How about this? Um, we can use Charles Manson's ranch as a setting for this if you. Well, okay, we're on knows. the we're on the Manson ranch. Grandma's ranch. We're on Grandma's Manson Ranch. The dog Rockwell is is yapping is yapping at our feet because he has a disorder that that makes him yap at feet. Swastika uh, disorder. Would you like a slice of pie? Said Grandma Manson um, from the other room where she was sitting on a chair mm-hmm. made with the bones of her victims. <laughs> Right. right, you're you're bearing the, the lead, the lang, the, the the vivid, uh, right. the, the energetic detail. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. quoting. Uh, um, I wish Do you I find had... that it most often happens in dialogue. Um, no, but I uh, dialogue tags or I I actually think it's really just laziness that the that the writer thinks of a thing 
that they want to say, but they've already begun the sentence. And instead of going back and saying, whoa, 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 I've got to go back to the beginning of the sentence and consider how I actually want to say it so that I can, you know, allow the reader to focus on the important part. So I can balance. style. Yes, exactly. They just sort of tack tack it on to the thing that they've already started. That's right. Mm. This is like, it's the, it's the equivalent of having your shirt tails out. Mm-hmm. Right, and your shoes scuffed. It's jammies. It's a sentence in jammies. <laughs> yes, it's jammy writing. <laughs> I tell you, you know, I have a two-year-old, almost a two-year-old, as you know, I little know. Oscar, who I just We're saw out in what, the snow. May, May he's going to be two. April, April twenty-sixth. That's coming right up. It is, and uh, get get to put, you get get to put on jammies every night. Mm-hmm. And we just found a uh, a, uh, some, a box of hand-me-down pajamas from our friend Leslie, friends Leslie and Mark. I mean, yeah. it's their child's hand-me-downs. Um, Alex, named after Alex Children. Really? Which is a good choice. Yeah. And um, and so there's like 10 or 15 pairs of jammies that now fit him that we had completely forgotten about because we had received them when he was way too small. And there are some rockin' jammies. Here's some things that they have on them. Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs, cats, birds, uh, variants, variants of those. And these dinosaurs, they're kind of blocky, but they're smiley. It's a nice design. You know, I love, we, I love putting on the jammies. We got some jammies for Owen once that the fabric, it was really cheap uh, printed flannel. And it, uh-huh. it was printed with these designs that were obviously, that was obviously made abroad by people who who don't know English and were maybe using the internet to translate things and they were showing uh, winter themes and the (laughs) phrases were just incomprehensible. The one that, um, I still say this often when it snows, let's to make a snowman. And then another one said, help. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there was one it was the letters of the word fuck rearranged i have no idea i think it was f f c u k or something like that uh-huh right no idea what that meant no idea did you did you preserve these jammies i th- i think we gave them to some someone else who was who had a baby see if you had if you had children a little sooner you would have gotten some of our uh charming cast-offs yeah, I would like that charming cast off. We have we have mostly hand me downs because we have a lot of friends here who have had whose kids are now you know three or four and five. Yeah. So we have we have mostly hand me downs. We have a lot of charming cast offs. You don't have any hand me overs um, as as in as in pulling a gun on someone and say, "Give me the jammies." We have some hand me overs. <laughs> have some hand me. But mostly those are not not so much pajamas as they are a car. And a pile of cash and some jewels, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but kind of like jammies, you know. A heist can yeah. really spice up hit. a marriage. Yeah, really can. A good really heist. Can. Yeah. Um, so snowy here. This is a uh, so for every pod. Each of the last three podcasts has been in a different house where all of our stuff is. Oh yes, you've moved from uh, moved so from, many times from the non-pink pink house to moved. the the final destination. Moved from the house that hasn't been pink for a decade to uh, our new place, which is eight blocks away, right uh, uphill a little bit. Um, so you couldn't just yeah. roll your possessions down to it, unfortunately. 
No, but if we move back, we could. Yeah. We could pretty easily. Uh, we're now between um, whatever the Indian word is for between the Safeway and the Whole Foods. That's uh, what this little three-block neighborhood is. <laughs> uh, probably a Haida name, but... Um, and we're also we're a, we're a half block from a ten acre construction site, where yeah. the uh, the northern terminus of the Seattle light rail system is going in. So there's oh, tall cranes, you, trucks rumbling by all the time. You mentioned this as an last week as an advantage because Oscar would enjoy watching the it construction is. take place. It is an advantage. It's awesome. He looks out the window, watches the cranes swing around. Mm-hmm. These, these giant overlords. Uh, and, while you uh, and while you and Jill are robbing the, the Safeway, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right by a, a high school with the big, uh, big field from which, which is you know, forty feet away. This field, you know, the, the the ball field where we can see Mount Rainier very clearly, and downtown the Space Needle, and, mm-hmm. and uh, where where every other place I've lived in Seattle has been uh, three different places, but all right along Ravenna Creek, and so they've all been down in, in kind of the creek bed. Cozy, but no, no view, right? Yeah. So now we can actually see Seattle. This feels more Seattle-like, not quite like the opening of Frasier or something, but, uh, <laughs> which I think took place in Seattle. But. I think so. I think there's a, there's a the Space Needle is in the logo, the Frasier logo. I think so. I think so. And so it's nice. It's nice to be in a, a place where I know I'll be for um, at least a year. Um, and did could you, stay long. Did you expect when you were younger that you would still be so itinerant in your forties? No, I thought I would be successful, a successful landowner <laughs> through, through not through any efforts that I would was willing to take. Like no, that's right. School or having a job. <laughs> <laughs> it, t- it turns out I you just have to try. the white privilege would see me through <laughs> as it does for most as it has for everyone else <laughs> and I suppose it has but uh, um, oh I like I, I don't care I've got a nice this is a nice place and uh, going to get a lot of writing done here Oscar's going to do a lot of babbling um, it's a nice backyard how big uh, I think we'll do a lot of grilling um, right, a few cubits. Grilling few of, the cubits. People, of the people you're holding up with your... <laughs> right, yeah. yeah if they... If they uh, Where's the money? If they overreact. <laughs> <laughs> they get all dramatic about it. <laughs> oh, people in Seattle would probably let you rob them. They might look very indignant during the process. <laughs> <laughs> and they might complain later. Yeah. When they see you again on the street, they'll be, hey, you know what? You really hurt my feelings. That was that really day. not cool. We don't do that in this neighborhood. <laughs> they shut up or I'll hit you again. <laughs> so I've. Um... And then I do. And, and uh, the, we're, we're still friends. We're all friends. It's a friendly neighborhood. Go Hawks! You're, you're using Go the, Hawks. the sentimental conditional to talk about your <laughs> your holdups. In those we, days, uh, we would. Game. What's that? Seattle, Seattle in the last couple of weeks has won the Grammys <laughs> and the Super Bowls, and I don't know, probably some other stuff. 
I think what, we put how, a man on the moon. I think we're going good for Seattle. How did it feel uh, for Seattle to uh, to win a big football game? That's not a thing that happens very often. It was exciting for them. Um, for us, I, I slept through it because it was the mm-hmm. day after the move in, and I was just too tired. I, I was going to listen to it at the radio, um, uh, but I was I, I was asleep. Slept through the whole game. Uh, but then I woke up as it was ending and uh, stepped out, and I could hear people shouting all over town. And then the parade on Wednesday was nuts. I was going to take Oscar down to it. Cause we could take the 66 bus from right by our house, zip yeah. downtown, be there in 15 minutes normally. But 800,000 people went to the celebration parade in downtown Seattle. Wow. The popula- population of Seattle is 600. And fifty thousand. <laughs> Are you sure this this isn't a rounding error? Well, I mean the the Seattle <laughs> Metroplex probably has three million people in it. Yeah, but Bellevue, Redmond, Granite Falls, Auburn, Kent, Fife, Des Moines, <laughs> which I think is how you're supposed to say it instead of Des really. I. I don't know. That's what I'm told. I know, all, all I know is it's not pronounced Des Moines. Okay. And that the S is 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 uh, aspirated, but I think that throws off the whole word. But Des Moines does have a good Popeyes, so <laughs> back in the old days, I would have been fond of it. Uh, so, I, but we missed. We didn't go down to the parade. I, I listened to the coverage on the radio; it sounded insane. Uh, but I, uh, it was the coldest day I think it's been in Seattle. For a long time, it was 17 degrees, which is not impressively cold for Ithaca or Missoulians. No, that's a, that's pretty but cold Seattle for Seattle. Cold. It's pretty cold for Seattle, yeah. Yeah. What are you doing with your hands? Are you are you drumming on something? I'm hearing lots of banging. I'm hearing lots of I'm rumbling. I'm tapping the microphone absentmindedly. I guess I should You're, stop. That's right. Everyone yeah. can hear it. <laughs> you're uh, you're telegraphing your uh, your anxieties. There's some secret telegraphing through your, through your so dancing that's what's up, fingers. That's what's up with me? What's up with you? Doing some, um, uh, doing your uh, admissions work. Yeah, act, hold on a second. I'm typing a, um, a possible title, an amusing thing we just said through your dancing fingers. Um, uh, yeah, we're we just we're done. We uh, we've called our um, our admits, and uh, I shouldn't say anything else about it. Though I will say um, uh, we'll be you know recruiting the crap out of them because they're they're good writers. I'm sure they'll get in other places and. Uh, um uh it is a real pleasure it's a real pleasure to um you know it's it's very it's very easy to have achieved a kind of um uh blase if not sort of cynical attitude toward mfa programs after attending one and mm-hmm. teaching in in several and being employed by one for such a long time and have ha- having suffered the slings and arrows of the twitter sphere and the lit blog sphere saying about how the MFA uh, is destructive for the world of writing, uh, and to forget. Side just note, ha- side note, man, Twitter is a bummer. Twitter's a real bummer. You know, I did a little go side through, note. Go back in. Yeah. Went through a went through a major unfollow a few weeks ago. I unfollowed all all litbiz. Yeah, that is good. to say, not other writers, but like all like right. magazines and places where yeah. any places where any kind of opinion might be uttered about the literary world. I have generalized. All that. Uh, yeah, and yeah, this okay. I got this. 
I actually I got this from Alice. She recommended it, and uh, and I I obeyed, mm. and I'm I'm way happier with Twitter now. It's mostly amusing at this point. So yeah. anyway, Swish. it's e- it's easy to forget just how life changing getting into an MFA program can be for somebody who um, is trying to fit in their writing between you know twelve hour shifts of of waitressing or uh, you know yeah. uh, or, or doing manual labor or something. Um, I mean, you, uh, you know, I I called someone. I had the the great privilege of calling someone a couple of days ago who was was just overcome with emotion because because she was so excited. I mean, this is someone I hope will be a student of mine. Um, but it's yeah. it's it's moving, you know. It's just it's sort of routine in my life. The students come, the students go, and I and I care very much about them and their writing. But um, you know, I forget it is a big goddamn deal, and it was for me too. So um, it was good. I, I kind of needed a little kind of needed. It's a lifeline. Yeah, it's a short lifeline. It's, a, it's not necessarily connected to the ship. No, it's not. <laughs> but but it but it, it might help you from drowning. It's drifting like a piece of silly string through the air <laughs> on Halloween night. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an unconnected life preserver. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was that was a pleasure, and it was a lot of work, and I'm glad it's it's done. But um, uh, now. Yeah, but- not How many applicants? Of, uh, am I allowed to say that? Well, I'm I'm the director Four? of creative writing. Four? I can say whatever you can I want. Make up a number. Yeah. Uh, almost six hundred. Check with the director. Nearly six hundred wow. uh, applicants for four spots. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. Uh, last year we got all four. I think occasionally we have to go down to the wait list, but our, our wait list sure. is usually super strong, and the difference is quite hair splitting. So, um, it's not like yeah. we're gonna have to compromise much but um that's probably um i would bet at least 100 pretty good writers out of 600 applicants here's the problem i was talking to um because i'm you know i'm teaching up at syracuse to this semester filling in for um saunders who's on leave and uh and so i've been having lunch with uh some of the professors there who i'm friends with and uh we've been talking about admissions and uh i was talking to dana spiata about this and we've we agree that when we started out in this biz it was much easier on day one to take the pile of applications, read the first page and a half, and just say, no way, and set it aside. Um, but it's getting harder and harder to do that, it's, and there are fewer and fewer that are obviously far too weak to be admitted. Uh, the level of – and I think this is – this is in part because of – I mean, I, I have no evidence for this, but it seems to me it might be in part because of the academic embrace of creative writing that the the um, there are a lot of people who can write competently, and it takes a while to realize that that they're less good than or better than others in the in their immediate you know competitive field. Um, that is that you know the, the level of of competent mediocrity yeah. is th- th- that group is getting larger. Hard to discern. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's oh, certainly a hundred. There's certainly a hundred competent writers in that pile of six hundred. But um, there, yeah. you know, in the what we go into the meeting with is you know twenty. Yeah. Yeah. What else you been up to? What else is going on there in in Ithaca, America? Well, having a band band meeting today to oh, decide no. what to do with the next two months. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we'll be meeting out band punishments today. Band meeting. Yeah. No, um, we we have in, uh, dropping quarters in the swear jar. <laughs> we actually threatened to have a sorry jar for a while because uh-huh. uh, because for a long time Lauren was always apologizing after every guitar solo, a- after every excellent guitar solo, she would apologize <laughs> that it was so bad. Like, no, <laughs> that is a good guitar solo. Don't apologize for it. But no, uh, we're we're a finely oiled machine now, and we discovered on Friday that we now have uh, enough songs for a new album. So I think one of the things we'll be discussing at our meeting today is uh, what form that record will take. When will when will we record it? The problem is that that um, job interviews and uh, boyfriends in foreign countries are threatening to render the band asunder. Rend the yeah. band asunder. And uh, I, yes. I, uh, I hope I hope we can stick it out for another year. But people's people's lives may um, may f- cause us to drift apart. But we are going to record well, at least another get album. It, at least at least get it recorded. Yeah, yeah. And these new songs get are it all terrific. Down on I'm, tape. I'm very excited about mm-hmm. them. So um, I'm sure they are. The last album was fantastic. Thank you, thank you, Ed. Uh, the other thing I'm doing is um, so there's just no way I'm going to work on my novel this semester, and I had threatened. Uh, in previous weeks to start writing by hand again as a change of pace with your acme pens with your well-reviewed acme pens with my well-reviewed acme pens that's right um, like the maze I, pen is a nice one yeah well you see i i put a i put a photo on the on my blog of a short story i was writing uh my friend bruce smith the poet uh, was mm-hmm. telling me this anecdote about his uh having <laughs> accepted a he was oh the 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 real story is he was asked to uh, do a reading elsewhere in upstate New York, a, an hour or two's drive away. And at first, they weren't going to pay him, and he, he insisted on an honorarium. So they they got back to him and said, "All right, we've we've got you a we've got you an honorarium, but you've got to share the bill with another reader." And he said, "Sure, no no problem." And they said, "Good, you'll it's one hour, and you'll each get half an hour." So he he got to the venue, discovered at that moment that it was a dinner theater. And that the other reader was an Emily Dickinson impersonator. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and then she took fifty minutes of the hour doing her Bell of Amherst shtick. <laughs> you know, reading the poems in a kind of cheerful, lilting, uh, jam jam uh, reducing grandma kind of voice, and uh, yeah. Um, he only got ten minutes. So, in my, I, so I wrote a short story based on this, in which the at the end he um, he ends up reading instead of reading his own poems, reads really dark, obscure Emily Dickinson poems, and of course, and everyone hates them. And then the uh, <laughs> that's great. And then the, the organizer of the gig says to says to him, "I I I know what you just did, and it was very very wrong." <laughs> I like which it. is not what happened in real life, but it's it's just what should have happened. I hope that in your story, the the uh, Emily Dickinson impersonator is a man uh, is, <laughs> for whom English is a second language. But he is in drag. <laughs> Could be from anywhere. Oh, Ghana, Bolivia. Uh, that's good. What's the story? Uh, but I wrote that with the in maze the gar- in the Garden of North American Martyrs. You remember that story? Yeah, it's Tobias Wolf, story. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's very different, obviously. But I, I was thinking of it recently. Woman uh, goes on a job interview 
and because uh, I think her job is being dissolved. She's like maybe a classics major or classics professor, mm. and her university is closing or closing down the department. And a friend secures an interview at, at some other university, and she goes, and well, only to learn that she was there just because her friend was lonely, and uh, uh, and there's no actual the, the job. There's no chance she was going to get the job, but her her friend just wanted her to come visit, um, <laughs> and that she should have understood that, and so. Um, and so it's all very sad, but then she, she goes ahead and gives like her, her, uh, sample class lecture. And instead of being something that she's prepared, she just sort of, um, kind of tells the truth, uh, starts telling the truth about history. For, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a leaves, good story. Leaves mid lecture. Yeah. Do you, I, I gotta say, I, I really like the early Tobias Wolf and Dis, I think the 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 moment I broke with him was Bullet in the Brain, which I think is a terrible, terrible story, and that everyone else seems to love. You know, I agree. I think it would, it would have been a great, an okay story by somebody else, but it it was is too sticky and formulaic for for him. And and then he, I think for me, it's it's these these memoir books mm-hmm. of his, I think, which have been well received, but I think are not. Uh, up to the the level of, of of the other work that he's that he did early, you know, like yeah. the uh, I kind of like the um, the first one about growing up in Concrete Washington with Robert De Niro as his father. Oh, or, um, this this that's boy's the life? movie version. Yeah, yeah. But then the the boarding school one I thought was 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 kind of crap, and then the, uh, the Vietnam one was disappointing. The best thing he ever wrote was the oh, what was it called? It was this novella. It was a kind of a Boot camp novella, The Barracks Thief. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. That was that's fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Barracks Thief. I I think it's a phenomenon that, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think this is uh, maybe an affliction mostly of male writers that they get some sort uh, of dysfunction. <laughs> one of one of our many uh, <laughs> that they. They get anointed, kind of, at yeah. some point. I think it happened to Wolf. It happened to Stephen Milhauser. Um, mm-hmm. That it's like, yeah. and they After they the Pulitzer. yeah, and then they um, they they drink that Kool Aid, and the and the work after that becomes a a kind of self parody, because they've they've been, you know, and of course I'm sure that these writers are thinking thinking about this and trying and are aware that it is a thing and are trying not to let it happen but i do think that the danger of the danger of accepting and believing praise is is extremely great is yeah. what i'm saying did you yeah. see did you see this thing rian pointed this out to me and i put it on um i put it on my blog this uh um philip seymour hoffman quote and of course, no. I saw that you had uh, some. I didn't see what what, what it yeah, was. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you. It's really great. Um, and of course, we've you know he died since our last podcast, I think, and that uh, of course made me sad. But this is the quote. And Surprised is, uh, me a bit. Yeah, sure. Well, he's our age. You know, he's. I feel that he's sort of a one little, of the forty six. I guess he was. Yeah, so I'm forty three. I'm only twenty five. <laughs> Um, 
but I feel like he's he's on our team. You know, obviously I've never met the guy, and he's far more famous and successful than I will ever be. But I feel like we're you know we're people of a certain generation yeah. trying to ply our art at the same time, and so he's one of the people who sort of sustains yeah. my sense of myself Agreed. as an artist. Agreed. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, his death hit me surprisingly hard. I've, I think I've said before. I don't usually when a writer I love dies, especially if they're older. Um, I'm I'm a little sad, but mostly you know, I don't expect anything out of them. Right? Like I I'm grateful that they wrote the stuff that I like, but that you know it, it's okay. There's always going to be more books, and I don't know them personally. Yeah. And there you go. But this this one this one hit me pretty hard. So this is an yeah. this is from an interview in. Um, Oh, hell, where the hell is this interview? It was an Esquire. Playgirl. Um, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, it was, it's actually, in fact, this, this quote is actually tattooed on a cock. No. Um, here's the quote. Uh, sometimes I take a temperature of things just because everyone else does. And he's, this is, the question is, do you uh, read your reviews? And how do you feel about reading your reviews? Sometimes I take a temperature of things just because everyone else does, especially when I'm doing a play. I want to know what people are thinking, positive or negative. So I take a temperature, and then I stop. I'll read a couple, and then skim a couple more, and then all of a sudden, that's it. Then I don't have the desire anymore. And that's true whether the response is good or bad. Mixed, bad, good, they all make you feel the same way. That's why you have to stop, because none of them ultimately make you feel okay. But I think you're asking a lot of other people to be responsible for your feelings when you don't read anything. I don't know what you mean. I didn't read it. I don't know. It's like, come on, really? There's too many people I have to interact with, and I don't want them to have to worry about hurting my feelings. So it's yeah. like he came to the conclusion I did, which is not to read reviews anymore. But then, as I say here in my comment on this quote, that's the kind of guy we lost, the kind who does a thing that makes him feel bad so that other people won't worry they're hurting his feelings. Oh, that is that is it's a very sweet and sensitive person. Yeah. So um the sort the sort who uh don't tend to prosper in yeah. our hard, cruel world. Well, he prospered for a while. Are you familiar with John Lillison? No. As you, I, I, th I thought of this uh, because earlier you said uh, you talked about people who are anointed. Yeah. John uh, Lillison? John Lillison uh, is England's greatest one-armed poet. Ooh, okay. Um, who wrote a, a poem? He wrote, he wrote oh, in Dillman's Grove. The, the Pointy Birds. <laughs> he wrote in Dillman's Grove, and also Pointy Birds, uh, which, I, if you'll allow, permit me, I'll recite now. Please. Oh, Pointy Birds. Oh, Pointy Pointy. Anoint my head. Anointy Anointy. <laughs> so good. It's good um, stuff. Yeah, he, uh, Steve Martin used to recite that as part it's of a Steve, stand -up. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a Steve Martin invention. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a, there's no John Dillon. There's no. Oh, oh, really? It's a made up poet. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a made up poet. Yeah. Oh. oh, here we go. Yeah, what follows are the only two poems, two known poems from the collected poems of John Lillison. Of course, that book doesn't exist, and neither does John Lillison. Um, right. Oh, yeah, and the other poem is uh, In Dylan's Grove. In Dylan's Grove my love did die, and now in ground shall ever lie. None could ever replace her visage until your face brought thoughts of kissage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What is this yeah. site? ZachD.com. I don't know what you the, found. 
This is the unofficial homepage for John Lewis and England's greatest one-armed poet. Okay, so Steve Martin invented it. That's great. We should, there should be an uh, anthology anthology of imaginary poets. Would you like to? Let's would you like to be in charge of that? We should propose it. Yeah, yeah, we'll propose that to the uh, um, to the the good people at, at Norton. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I, well, I, I have I have ordered, but it has yet to arrive. Um, the new Alex Chilton book. We mentioned Chilton earlier. We did. Um, I was thinking of Chilton because of the Big Star documentary, and then on the heels of of those thinking, there's a a uh, biography by Holly George Warren, which I assume is three people's first names, um, called "A Man Called Destruction: Life and Music of Alex Chilton, from Box yeah. Tops to Big Star to Backdoor Man." Um, looking forward to it. Not that there's probably anything I don't know or can't pretend that I know on the subject, but. <laughs> forward to reading it you're definitely tapping your microphone again god damn it i'm sorry i should uh, i should i should go through i should go through our <laughs> previous episodes and just correlate all the words you're saying while you're tapping the mic and see if there's some sort of code there <laughs> there is what can i learn about you that i don't already know based on that yeah so I spent you, yesterday, me you ordered a book that you don't yet have <laughs> so you, <laughs> you couldn't even you couldn't even hear what i was saying over no, the, I can hear uh, what you were saying. Tapping? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You, no, 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 no. You're totally audible. Yeah, no, I didn't order a book that I already have. No, I, no, no. I usually, you... order, I, usually, I usually reserve ordering to acquire things that I, I haven't already uh, been owning for a while. Okay. Although sometimes I will order something I already have out of uh, forgetfulness, negligence, yeah. or uh, just, to, uh, you know, just to show people that I'm rich. You know, there's a Charles Simic book I've bought three, no, four times. Because what happened was this: uh, it's wa uh, Walking the Black Cat, uh, one mm -hmm. of the 90s book of his, which is a good book. And uh, Reen and I bought a copy because we had just gotten into him and really liked him. And then we uh, read the book, we enjoyed it, and we lost it. We were looking for it to reread something, and it was missing. So I uh, bought another copy. Um. But in the meantime, we found the the uh, the first one, and then we moved to Ithaca, mm -hmm. and uh, I suddenly thought, um, oh, I'd like to read Walking the Black Cat, but all I could remember that that was the book we lost, so I bought another copy, and uh. then um, and I had the same process happen another time years later when I thought, oh, Walking the Black Cat, that's right, that's the one we lost, I'll buy another copy. <laughs> And then I would go and, you know, I'd read it and I'd put it on the shelf with the other, many other yeah, the, copies of Walking the, the Black the, Cat. The increasing number of... <laughs> yeah. That'll be most of... That'll be half of your estate when you pass. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So, um, Wednesday... Oops, hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's the doorbell. This seems like it's a show segment. The doorbell rings and Ed, is, Ed gets up. Hello. Someone's ring, ringing the hell out of the door. Hi. It must be a child. He's back. The new place has a doorbell. Yeah, that was that was great. That was like a that was like a a segment in Pee Wee's Playhouse or something. And I wish I had something more planned. 
Hi, Hi Oscar. Then just What's up? The arrival of Oscar. Hey, Oscar. There's John. Say hi, John. Hi, John. Hi. Hello. That's Oscar talking. That's what he sounds like. That wasn't me Thanks encouraging the, him to talk. For the info, bro. <laughs> um, so one of the things, but nice thing about being back is being able to eat eat lots of uh, food that's not sandwiches. Yeah. Being back in the city, back in civilization. I, re- I recall the phrase, another goddamn Missoula sandwich uh, coming that's out right. of your mouth. That's right. Months ago. And I think I measured, I measured the new location as having uh, four or five college towns worth of, of, of restaurants yeah. in it. <laughs> uh, Jill went to Chang's Gourmet last night. Yeah. Uh, what would you have at Chang's Gourmet, Jill? Green onion pancakes. Fat noodles with pork. Fat noodles with pork. And some shrimp thing. <laughs> you can't that get shrimp good? thing anywhere. Hi, Jill. She can't hear me. She can't hear. No. Um, Chang's that's Gourmet is very good. That's the, shrimp, link. the shrimp thing did to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's check Chang's it out. Chang's Gourmet. Have they have an American menu and a Chinese menu, and uh, you have to order off the Chinese menu if you want anything good. You know what? But despite website, my two years of taking Mandarin, I can't read it. So, yeah. So you just ask you know, that you ask the waitress, the, the waiter, to order you something off the Chinese menu. I gotta say, this is this is very promising. The um. <laughs> Uh, the the typography on the website is terrible, which is a sure sign of an excellent Chinese restaurant. Here's the here's uh-huh. the uh, menu. Here's the English translations of the menu: uh, jellyfish, fried pigs intestine, mm-hmm. <laughs> chicken with ground green beans sheets, <laughs> fried right. tofu of strong odor, yes, steamed tofu of strong odor. <laughs> Steamed corn bread bun. That sounds good. Yeah. Lamb yeah. and herb in the soup. <laughs> in the soup. In the soup. These in sound... the soup. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. The American menu menu is the best mix of Chinese and American taste. The Chinese menu is authentic Chinese food like you saw in China. It says. <laughs> but you were not permitted to eat. Yeah. Right. You saw it. <laughs> you... You saw others, but it was it. not for you. You ate hamburgers <laughs> because you're a jerk. But you saw some authentic Chinese food. <laughs> you'll definitely it's uh, the Szechuan Heaven menu. You'll definitely love the, those dishes if you like hot spicy food. You'll love those dishes if you like hot spicy food. <laughs> you'll love this thing if you like it. <laughs> The, 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 you've got you got red pen voice. Uh, approvingly, approvingly. <laughs> In those days, yeah. Charles Manson would take out his red pen. <laughs> He'd stir Grandma's iced tea with it, and he would say, "Strong odor, tofu of strong, strong odor." Would you like some? Odor. Yeah. I also went. I went to a, 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 this all-day kind of writing retreat. Um, thrown by this group I'm a part of called the Seattle Seven Writers, oh, which is actually 50, 50 of us. Wait, 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 wait! This is you never told me about this. 
What is the what, Seattle, Seattle 7? 7? No. Yeah, well, there's the Seattle 7 was a, uh, a you know, a, some people who were on trial here in the uh, <clears throat> 60s. But the Seattle 7 Riders was uh, formed by seven riders over dinner. It's like, oh, you know, we should put together a thing. We'll do some events and we'll raise money for literacy, like A26 or other, other sorts of programs. Sure. Um, but it's expanded in its seven or eight years to uh, uh, 40 or 50 writers from Seattle of various kinds. And we put on a kind of talent show, vaudeville show, a few years ago. We wrote a novel here, collaboratively. Here are f- photos of some of them. And there's yeah. your name. Yeah. And I think they, we, they, we, I guess we, we, part of it for four or five years, raised $19,000 last year for uh, various literacy programs around the, the city. Oh, wonderful. Um, so, you know, and a lot of it is, is there's some star power in it uh, since it was formed. Garth Stein, uh, with his, has, has, uh, Found a pretty big audience with his "The Art of Racing in the Rain," mm-hmm. and Eric Larson from uh, "Devil in the White City," uh, and oh, all sure, of those. Sure. Um, and and Maria Semple, and, and so there's there's a there's oh, and there's a Nancy Pearls on there. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people brought Rain back into print. That's right. Some some very successful. Some yeah. um, some well uh, uh, well established in their genre, but a lot of different kinds of writers. And we do lots of different things. And so yesterday we had this thing called Right Here, Right Now, which was, they had uh, 100 people signed up uh, in this, this old church. And, and there's little 10-minute lectures. And then people are you know, writing kind of from prompts or whatever they want to. And there's one-on-one meetings and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good event. Raised a lot of money. Um, some people uh, you know, got some, some advice that they... they we're looking for, and then we had a little social event afterwards as the snow began. Um, and that took place at a lot of fun. Took place at the Fremont Abbey. Oh, okay, I, th- I was wondering. Church in Fremont. I thought you were going to start t- telling me that you were retired to the restaurant Rue because you just sent me a link to it. Then, and then, but then, then at lunchtime, I I, I didn't want to have the um, the chicken wrap, and so I went across to a, a new restaurant. Why ever not? Just opened <laughs> called the Restaurant Rue. Yeah, um, which is in the form of Buckaroo Tavern, a much loved uh, uh, bar that, that closed a few years ago. Um, so this is a new new restaurant, New Orleans themed. Um, so I went okay. in and I had a Ramos gin fizz, and nice. a uh, they're having a brunch menu, and you know how I feel about brunches. But <laughs> I instead got of, you. <laughs> but it was one in the afternoon. See, yeah, brunch okay. brunch is no good, you know. All right. You should. But, and then I, I had, you shouldn't worry had a plate about what it's of, uh, called, Ed. And just collard eat, eat greens. It. Well, they didn't have any lunch food really, so I just had a a, a bowl of collard greens that was mostly um, uh, meat of some kind. It was great. <laughs> oh, so you can Pretty get dog satisfying. legs too. Yeah, good, crispy good pig ear, pig ear, chicken yeah. gizzards. Yep. Hush puppies. Hush yeah, nice puppies. room. Oh, nice! Yeah, I see the collard greens. This looks great. Are these yeah. when when eventually I come to Seattle? I hope to come to Seattle this fall when my book comes out uh, yes. to give a reading from it. Will you bring me? Will you save up some restaurants and bring me to several of them? I will, and also, um, you know, people are coming to Seattle. Some people who I know listen to this for the AWP event at the end of this month. I was going to bring that up. Month. 
I won't be a moment, um, but I want to want to talk to you about AWP. These are some restaurants they might they might enjoy. They might like oh. Chang's Gourmet Restaurant Rue or the Seafood Buffet of Bluefin Seattle, which is up in the Northgate Mall. This is sweet looking. Which is a uh, an amazing seafood and sushi buffet um, with uh, kind of little stations. It's kind of a Korean station. Uh, mm. uh, there's, you know, there's this sushi bar. There's just a lot of other fish and animals of the sea. Nice desserts. Uh, uh, kind of uh, kind of Hawaiian comfort food station. Uh, a lot of great stuff for a reasonable a, price. Big room. These uh, photos, the uh, these photos from um, from Bluefin uh, are spectacular. These these things look yeah. delicious, and I want to eat them. Yeah. So you these you, are not uh, things I, that I could eat in Missoula. That's why. But the point is, look yeah. how happy I am. Oh yeah, look at you. You look very happy. <laughs> And others who come to Seattle for AWP could look that way too. If they want. They could they could yeah. even get a nice haircut like you've gotten. We've both or they could scowl. Haircuts. Yeah. They could. You while have enjoying tasty food, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh AWP, I suggested this so Alice uh Alice Bolin is champing at the bit to be on the podcast again, but she has two problems, does not want to get up early and uh, forgot to get a microphone. So with any luck, we'll have her back on soon. But um, I have I have offered to mail you guys my uh, Zoom recorder, the portable recorder, much like the one that we recorded the the, the macaroni party uh, on. By the way, they had another yeah. macaroni party last night. Who won? Missoula. Jackaroni and cheese. Of course it did. Jack, Jack Macron's jackaroni and cheese finally had its moment in the sun. Oh, thank goodness. Not was too long because it has a lot of dairy. But Was it the same recipe? I think so. <laughs> I just got the moment dairy in the sun. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. He, he hung in there. I, I, I wish his cul- culinary efforts all the, all the best. So should I, should I do this? Will you and Alice do a thing? Will you sit down and talk? Or you, will, will you walk around being funny for an hour? You will. I, I, I do do for... you trust me to run this this device? Do you yeah. think I can? I have the technical skills. Sure. Well, if you don't, it's okay. not, you're not going to break it. I mean, no, it's a pretty sturdy sort of thing. Designed to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, right? it, the sound. Yeah, the sound yeah. might not work out, but I'll make sure that it's got fresh batteries, and I'll give you a little primer on how to use it. And is Alice technical? Can she? Can she operate things? I don't know. I don't know either. There are things I don't know about Alice Bolin. She she knows how to use the internet skillfully. Yeah, it's she's got easier. a Tumblr. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She's, she's probably a, a computer programmer. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. Um, yeah, let's do it. We'll do that. Okay. That'll be our right. uh, little taste of taste of op. <laughs> yeah. Are you on? You're on some panels, right? I'm on a uh, a panel of, of former. Uh, writers in residence at the Richard Hugo House, mm-hmm. and also on a panel uh, about the legacy of Richard Hugo, uh, with me and Stanley Plumley and Wynne Cooper, who wrote the uh, known uh, known for his fine poetry, uh, including one that Cheryl Crow used uh, as the basis of that "All I Want to Do" uh, tune that may be in your head now for the rest of the day that I've mentioned. It, it. just might be. I, if I remember correctly, um, the thing 
the one thing that she did want to do was have some fun. Right. Mostly it was about having, yeah, fun. Uh, I've been listening to the Ghostbusters theme a lot here. Really? With, with Oscar. Uh, likes it, likes what, to dance to it. What do you remember stance? some of the reasons for calling Ghostbusters? Occasions on which you might want to call the Ghostbusters. Um, well, if there's something wrong in your neighborhood, that's one, one of them. Yes. Uh, if uh, there's something weird and it don't look good, doesn't look good and it's weird, right? That might be a good a good time. <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah. Right. Do you, uh, can you? Which, which, which fits in with the movie, but then it gets weirder. Some of the successive reasons are: Is there an invisible man living in your bed, sleeping in your bed? <laughs> invisible man sleeping in your bed. Called Hello, I'm Ralph Ellison. He said. <laughs> That's right. No. Um, and then the final reason, which is sort of a catch-all, is is uh, uh, if you're all alone. <laughs> is that? I it? think it's just. I think it's a sad. Yeah, it's if if you're all alone, pick up the phone and call Ghostbusters. I think it's an incredibly sad song about loneliness. <laughs> If you're seeing things running through your head, that's that's not those that's not uh, visual hallucinations. That's um, madness. Yeah, I think it's the second saddest song in the history of pop music. Yeah, if you're all alone, pick up the phone. Yeah, let me let Following, me tell you something. Uh, I mean, kung fu kung fu fighting, as you know, is the saddest song in the English language. But I think Ghostbusters theme by Ray Parker and challenged successfully in court by Huey Lewis as a ripoff. And that's of what I was going to ask you. <laughs> 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 After 15 Where years of litigation, yeah. Where do you stand uh, on the? Finally, Ray, Ray Parker <laughs> Jr. Um, acknowledged that you know he must have heard that song in his head. <laughs> it wasn't intentional, but he was he was yeah. uh, he was riding the tilt a whirl at Six Flags, and uh, but you know what song that, you know what song I listened to into his head here what? in 2014. It's not I want a new drug. It's nothing off the sports album. <laughs> Although that was the first album I ever purchased, uh, it's uh, Ghostbusters. It's Ghostbusters. Thing. If you're all alone, is there an invisible man sleeping in your bed? That's a great line. It's uh, rich. Did you has Oscar watched the movie? Because I can. I have. No. A, have Have you watched it lately? I've not. When you, I just want to warn you. When you get to watching Ghostbusters with your child age when the two of you are ready for that know that you probably won't recall that there is a montage in the middle of the movie in which uh dan Aykroyd appears to be getting a blowjob from a ghost and it's very awkward i have forgotten about that this his his belt magically comes undone and his pants get magically unzipped and then you see his face in uh enjoying orgasmic pleasure and and my children did not know what was going on. Toby laughed hysterically because it made no sense. This was years ago, but yeah, I had completely makes forgotten sense that now. Was the thing. Yeah, yeah. So just Dan be warned. Be warned. No, it's, it's, not, not, the, it's not. It's not the. Blo- it's not the blowjob that's the problem. It's Dan Aykroyd receiving one. That's a that's a that's a big part film. of it. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. Something unwholesome about Dan, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Well, that's part of his appeal, of course. He's a I bit know. greasy. But then he played against type with all those kind of everyman family movies that nobody saw. But no. hopefully he didn't get paid for it. I hope that Dan Aykroyd did most of his bad movies for free. I suspect that he did them for money. 
<laughs> I think you're right. But I like the idea that maybe he did them. He knew that they were no good, so he didn't take any any money. Yeah, that's you could think that. Go ahead. It's charitable. It's like, yeah, I'm not yeah, I'm gonna take a pass. You can keep the paycheck. I didn't I really phoned this one in. I'm Dan Aykroyd. Keep your money. Dan Aykroyd. Danny Aykroyd. <laughs> keep your money. Um so yeah, your you're money. gonna be I'm Dan Aykroyd. I'm Dan Aykroyd, keep your money. Um so you so you're doing those two uh panels. Do you have any uh social activities? When when is this? End of the month? Sure. Um last few days of this month, a day or so of the next one, I think. I do have a lot of activities. There's a uh, I'm going to for Poetry Northwest, going to do an audio interview with uh Dorothea Lasky. Mm-hmm. The poet mm-hmm. Dottie Lasky who's very smart, who I don't know. Sure. And um and it'll be I proposed the fish ladder, but I th- think it might be the uh space needle or something like that. What, they're doing interviews the fish with ladder? Yeah, they're doing yeah, ever taken this fish ladder? The ballard No, Locks. But you you have written a poem about the fish ladder, have you not? Yeah, I remember my favorite, favorite things of Seattle, yeah. 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 Uh so we're doing that, doing these panels, there's an event with uh, a few presses, Canarium Press and the Burnside Review uh, on Thursday night. Um, trip out to Port Townsend, a bunch of Copper Canyon poets, uh, since they're going to be in Seattle, or they're going to go out and camp out and go to the Copper Canyon HQ. Sweet. On one night. Camping poets. I'm going to be driving. Well, not camping, literally. There's... Oh. But staying. The, the, the press is on an old decommissioned military base. And oh, uh, there's a lot of old officers' quarters that you can rent. You know, So sometimes when they have big events out there, they rent some of these big officers' houses. And you can put you know, 12 people or so in them, have a big dinner cool. at Fort Warden State Park. So looking forward to that. Um. But I'll see, you know, see, see some pals, Catherine Barnett, Malachi Black. That sounds good. A bunch of people that I only only get to see at these sorts of things. But. Hey, I, uh, Major Jackson isn't a Copper Canyon poet, is he? Uh, no, Cause, unfortunately, because he would he would own that military base, wouldn't he? He'd show up on the the uh, decommissioned military base and just start bossing people around. That's right, because he's a major. He's a major, right? Uh, I can't think of anybody with a name whose rank is higher than that. <laughs> well, you know, you could always have another child. I could, yeah. Commodore Skoog. <laughs> I don't know if, that's a, if that outranks yeah, major. It's a different good. branch. It's and a different country, maybe. But Admiral. Yeah. Admiral Skoog. And, you know, it's an actually... Major, captain's above major? I don't know. I wasn't, as you know, I was never in the Navy, so I don't... Uh, Oh, I, I have, don't know the I have ranks. No idea. Major, I, no I think idea. captain's above major. Actually, and if you ever named a child Admiral, I think that that would be the time for you and Jill to at last combine your names because Admiral Skoog Marquis is a, is a superb name. It is. It is. He would rule the seas. Yeah, he would rule, <laughs> he, he would rule the shit out of those seas. Never ever sick at sea. Hardly ever. Um. Yeah, AWP. It'll be a madhouse. But I think, hopefully, you know, one thing about when I go to another city for it um, 
it's not always restful. But here I can I can just go home when I want to come home. Yeah, yeah. Of course. So so. I want if if AWP came to Ithaca, I don't know if I would go. <laughs> I I feel like yeah. I feel like the whole appeal of it is staying in a hotel and acting like an idiot for four days. Yeah, strong temptation not to go. But I was already uh, um, involved with planning various events and yeah, uh, so couldn't get out. Of it. it might take the next few years off because yeah. since I'm no longer trying to get this kind of a job, I don't really need to yeah. pretend like I am. Yeah, I think this new, uh, you know, well, this is this sounds to me a little bit like the. Uh, I I don't think I'm going to write any poems for the next five years. Quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to move again. I don't want to leave. I don't want to move to another city. You know. Yeah, I understand. I wanna, and you I know, wanna, I, I was, but I, and I was talking to Rean about this too. It's um, some you know, I I I have a great job as as you know, but um, but uh, sometimes like sometimes like you know fantasize about living independently yeah because yeah. you, know, you did i did yeah well all i did, you did, you all did for a decade or so yeah well i know but you had you supported yourself with In a writing and you did taught some but yeah, yeah. With small children yeah but you did see. it i did it It was harder yeah. then than it will be now i'm doing that other thing yeah now mm. yeah Anyway, but, uh, AWP. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 I you know, there's, there's, gr- there's a tradition of professors not really being that invested in their jobs. You know, you, there's there is a yeah. middle ground between well, leaving know, the field. And, it's the, I know, which is. is not be director or not you know, <laughs> yeah. shun committees, disappear. You know, think of the the, know, the, the, uh, the character in White Noise who runs from place to place and s- sticks to the shadows, uh, so that people will think she's brilliant and won't ask her to do anything. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's a real that's a real character. Oh, by the way, I I am uh I I will my last semester as director will be spring 2015. Oh. Good. Yeah. You've done it for a long time already. Yeah, so I'm I'll be back to being an ordinary professor after that. Yeah. You you'll, you'll probably find that that suits you better. Which I like. The professoring yeah. is the part that I like. Um and it's the yeah. part that I think the the naive believe will be the main part. The directoring, running things is not not supposed to be enjoying, enjoy, enjoyable. No, it's, it's, it's not. It's a chore. That's why that's why it's spread around usually, right? Yeah. Some people have a talent for it. Spread around like like feces in a in a mm. madman's chamber. I was thinking more like a like a talking stick. Oh, sorry. Or the couch ball. I've got the conch. <laughs> Let me speak. I've got the conch. It's pretty good. Chair of English. I'd like to talk now. Shut up, piggy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the meetings are like. Uh, <laughs> read anything good? Uh, I read... Um, so I, I, I can't Student remember work. if I... I can't remember if I mentioned this to you that I I made a, a request on Twitter uh, a couple of months ago for I was I I had a little free time I wanted to read some un undemanding fiction and so can I said can anyone recommend a really smart thriller you uh-huh. know, and if if it's got sci-fi or techie kind of elements in it and but it's really well written I know this is I'm, I'm sort of quickly narrowing my choices by putting all these qualifications on it I said that but better still and. 
a bunch of people um, threw some suggestions at me, and I've read about half of them so far, and they've all been really fun. Um, but the one I read this past week is by Kevin Gilfoyle. It's called The Thousand. It's basically yeah. about a, a Pythagorean cult that is controlling the world. Uh, nice. And um, with a thousand kind of members, make, yeah. Well, it, roughly a thousand members at a time at any given time. And uh, but I, I had someone had uh, you know had uh, cited him his Twitter handle on the you know on the on this this Twitter conversation, and he jumped in and said, you know, what's your oh, address? I'll send you the book. And right. I said, traded great, books. I'll send you some books. So we traded books. And uh, so I just want to say, Kevin Guilfoyle, straight up uh, nice guy and uh, very, very good, fun thriller. And uh, right now I'm reading this book called um, uh, The Care of Wooden Floors. I haven't gotten to the end yet, but so far it's um, by Will Wiles, I think his name is. And I got it because I always look at the you know the Kindle Daily Deals um, in the morning, see if uh -huh. anything good yeah. is inexpensive. And, uh, like the collected Eudora Welty was two bucks a couple of weeks ago, you know, so I would nice. grab, grab copies of stuff when they pop up. But this book came up for two bucks and, uh, it's been, it's a British book that has been reissued by Amazon on the cheap. And, uh, it's about a guy who, um, uh, apartment sits for his fussy friend, uh, with the instruction not to harm the expensive french wooden floors which of course he immediately does and his and his mind mm -hmm. begins to unravel and so far it's very funny it's very um i like it who's the who's the guy magnus mills no it's not magnus mills but there's a little bit of magnus uh -huh. millsianess in there uh more um alan bennett reminds me of alan no, I don't bennett. know alan have you bennett. read him don't know he's alan. a very no, funny novelist and fiction writer um from britain he's a older uh -huh. guy now but um he wrote the lady yeah. in the van essay about a an eccentric woman in his neighborhood and this terrific short novel called the clothes they stood up in um but there's a certain kind of dry self-deprecating alan bennett alan bennett yeah I'll try the that clothes out. they stood up in is is fantastic has this magnus mills written anything in the last decade i love those those two books that came out so quickly they're all quiet on the orient express and uh Another one yeah. right about that time. The answer is yes. Uh, Magnus Mill's last book was pretty good. Hold on. I feel like I feel like he's he's in uh, he's in need of a new direction. Uh, he yeah. wrote a uh, he wrote a memoir called "The Maintenance of Headway," which is a, a memoir about driving a bus, which is what he used. To <coughs> uh, right, and right, uh, right. then he there, there was a novel before that called "Explorers of the New Century" that I thought was really good. And then there was a recent book called uh, "A Cruel Bird Came to the Nest and Looked In," which is fine, but it's I kind of feel him str straining at the boundaries of his shtick and looking for a yeah. way out in this book. I'll have to catch up on those. Um, I haven't seen those books, um, but they they must be here somewhere. Yeah, these yeah. these are these are pretty good books. I mean, all of them are incredibly entertaining, and you will you won't like put any of them down in disappointment. But um, but some of them are 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 ringing a similar note, and I think there's probably more to him than he's than he's discovered yet. That's my feeling. Yeah, he's a good writer. Good. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah. How about you? And then we'll we'll wrap this thing up. You got any book recommendations? Um, I've, I've had a lot of fun unearthing my my books and going through boxes that uh, books I put away years ago. Yeah, because you know, I. 
really since I left Idlewild in 2008, a lot of my books have been in boxes and just in storage that's, waiting for that's six years, Ed. space. I know. So I'm having fun um, just looking, looking through things and finding books that I'd half read, bought and intended to read, and then they went in the box. And now it's, it's like I've just come home from the bookstore. Yeah, with nice. A thousand books, which is which is nice. Did you, uh, um, did one, you one, unco- one, uncover your copy of Andrew Sean Greer's un- unpublished nautical novel? Oh, I, I believe I do have Blue Lusitania somewhere. <laughs> I believe I have both Blue Lusitania and Cowboy Up somewhere in my files. <laughs> he's yeah. got to he's got to he's got to finish that someday. It was so good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, when I found uh, uh, this this book uh, um, that I, I I had been missing called "This Particular Eternity" by Steve Orlin. Have I talked about Ooh. Steve Orlin with you? No, I don't think Steve so. Orlin. It's sort of backwards. It's mirror image, I guess. So, um, Orlin was a, a poet who uh, from New York, but, but taught in uh, or Philadelphia, taught in uh, University of Arizona. For years and passed away a few years ago. Um, yeah. uh, really good. And and uh, I read I read one of these poems yesterday as part of my my talk for the Seattle Sevens writers group. I was talking about embarrassment as as being uh, the kind of the, the gateway to drama and comedy and tragedy and yeah. compassion. Sure. And. Uh, and I remember that the, the, this idea, which has been animating all the work that I've been doing lately, really came out of this poem of his that I had you know, read and heard him read and had forgotten, and then I was delighted to be able to find it. Can I read it for you? Yeah, please do. The, the, the poem is called Ars Poetica. We'd already had a few glasses of wine, and the woman wanted to go first so eagerly. She raised her hand like a sixth-grade girl, composed herself, and began, This was years ago. I was taking a plane from San Francisco to Boise, and I got stuck on the toilet. I couldn't unglue myself. I kept banging on the door until the stewardess came and yanked hard on my arm. Nothing. And pretty soon there was a small line of passengers, curious, horrified, then amused, then wanting to be helpful, each of them giving a big yank and nothing, and me getting more and more and then less and less embarrassed. Then some good soul brought me a glass of wine. Lunch arrived on a tray. Then they began to pull again, gripping each other's hands in an uneven tug of war. They were chatting, tipsy, getting to know each other, forgetting my predicament. I could hear them telling their own most embarrassing stories. Then the clink of glasses, laughter, and so on until we landed. Jesus! And a man in a worker's uniform stepped gingerly onto the toilet around my bulgy thighs with his, excuse me, ma'am, staring and trying not to stare. And with a long screwdriver undid the entire compartment, plastic walls, sink, the toilet itself, and then pop, the suction released, and I was free. The sound must have echoed throughout the plane because I heard this terrific applause, stewardess, pilot, (laughs) co-pilot. Passengers clapping, and that was it. And that was it. It was as though a balloon had suddenly blown up and just as suddenly deflated. She didn't seem embarrassed, but bashful, rather, this middle-aged woman, 
plain and pretty and plainly dressed, seated with her knees locked together like a newly pubescent girl in a room full of adults. Then a long pause, shifting in the couches and the chairs. Then Anne screeched the way she does when she's confused, then some brandy. Then Eric, the mischievous psychiatrist, called for another story. And I started, but in the middle, Gail gave me that look that said the story was more than embarrassing. Too much about to be revealed. So I, so I stuttered to a stop. Inappropriate personal disclosure, Max called it. And I laughed, unsure suddenly, of what actually was appropriate. How open should one be? And where was that line you crossed at your own peril? And of what value was the crossing to make us feel more comfortable in a conforming world? Or harmful, alienating, casting a person out? The woman started up again. Her husband, caught in bed with a man prettier than she was, the search for the missing tampon, the hotel garden in Prague, one story sliding into another, like someone who, caught out, confesses every sin, every crime, even those she hasn't been accused of. And none among us had the courage, if that's what it was, to give back the dignity that she had so eagerly given away. To say, no more, that's all we need to know. That's all I've got, she said. Now she was blushing, turning a bright red, as though she had turned herself completely inside out as though she realized that the telling of her own most embarrassing stories was itself a most embarrassing story someone would tell later on her, and she wouldn't be there to sort of modulate it. She started to cry, really sob. Even so, she looked beautiful in that moment, extraordinary. This unprepossessing woman, innocent in her way, like a wet red infant glowing on the couch. <laughs> the way we would have been if we had no secrets. We, who were still complex and secret and proud. Oh, that's good. Isn't that good? Steve Orlin. Yeah, from this particular eternity, Ausable Press, uh, 2001. Did you, uh, did uh, you know him? I met him at Breadloaf. Yeah. Um, 2002, 2003, um, and uh, got to hang out with him quite a bit. He was there as a last-minute replacement for for somebody else, um, and and was just sort of uh, delighted to be there. Kind of a scraggly wild man uh, with a big heart. Sweet. Yeah, Sweet. it was great. Well, um, yeah. we should wrap this up, but that's a great way to end it. I and uh, and I'm glad that uh I'm glad that uh we ended with a poem about embarrassing personal confessions instead of with embarrassing personal confessions. That's right. Next week embarrassing personal confessions. <laughs> well, I'm I'm never <laughs> never very far from one of those. I'll talk to you next week, bud. Next week, John. Are you hungry for lunch? Well then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? It's time for love.